Hello to everyone. We're thankful for another opportunity to get to look into and study the Word of God. We're thankful for the Lord's goodness and mercy upon us another week. Thank God that He's graced us with the opportunity uh, and really the blessing to know Him in our world today. What a great blessing it is to know the Lord by the introduction of the Spirit and the Word of God. We're certainly thankful for all that He's done for us and how that He's greatly blessed us. Um, if you'd like to look with us, uh, we're in 1 Kings 18, looking at Elijah. And as we quickly review what we've covered, Elijah appeared to Ahab, the first we see of Elijah. He appears to Ahab at the king's court. He says, it's not going to rain, at my word. Um, and... God shut the heavens up. There was no rain. There was no dew. God hit him by the brook and fed him with ravens. Uh, for a space of time, the brook dried up and God moved Elijah to a widow's house in Zarephath, Gentile country. And there he dwelt and was fed by the miraculous provision of the Lord. The widow's son has died and... Elijah resurrected him in the first resurrection we see in the Bible. And then we come to chapter 18, and God has told Elijah, Go to Ahab, and I'm going to send rain. So Elijah heads out to meet Ahab. And last time we met Obadiah, a man that feared the Lord greatly, and he met Elijah in the way. So here's this man, Obadiah. Remember, he's the governor of Ahab's house. God's got a man in every place, even in the house of Ahab. He's got a man to serve him and to accomplish his will. And he meets Elijah in the way. And we talked about the provision of God and looked at a few examples in other places of God's provision, meeting man in the way, not expecting it, not looking for it. Obadiah's out looking for water. Paul was on the road to Damascus going to throw the church in prison and to persecute the church. And God appeared unto Paul and Elijah appears unto Obadiah. And everything changes when God appears. Obadiah looking for a little bit of water, a little bit of grass, anything to save the, the animals and the beasts alive. And now he's run into the man of God, the one that has the power to bring rain and to provide for the nation. And Paul, Paul was looking to persecute the church, and he ran into the power and the God that was behind the church. And his mission and his desire changed. So we'll pick up in verse 7 of First Kings chapter 18. And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him, and he knew him, and fell on his face, and said, Art thou that my lord, Elijah? So falls on his face in fear, in reverence. Here is, and I realize, Elijah's not God. And we're going to get a clear picture of that in just a little while. But he is God's representative in this time to the nation of Israel. When they seen Elijah... He was uh, the Word of God to these people. And so he bows his face to the earth in reverence. 
and in fear, uh, in respect to the Word, to the power of the Word, uh, and, and to all that Elijah represented. And he answered him, I am, go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. So Elijah tells Obadiah, go find your master, go find Ahab, and tell him I'm here, and I want to speak with him. So in verse 9 we pick up, And he said, What have I sinned, that thou wouldest deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom, whither my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said he is not there, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation, that they found thee not. And now thou sayest, Go tell thy Lord, Behold, Elijah is here, and it shall come to pass, as soon as I am gone from thee, that the Spirit of the Lord shall carry thee, whither I know not. And so, when I come and tell Ahab, and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I thy servant fear the Lord from my youth. Was it not told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord, how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave, and fed them with bread and water? And now thou sayest, Go tell thy Lord, Behold, Elijah is here, and he shall slay me. So, I realize we read several verses there, but they all go together. Really no way to break those up. But... Uh, he's met Elijah. Elijah says, go tell Ahab. And now Obadiah is afraid to do this. He fears Ahab and his wicked hand. And we hinted at some of this previously. Um, and I don't want to cover it a second time. But to not speak about it, I believe, would be to do injustice. But look at how Ahab sought after Elijah. Now you talk about God hiding a man and no man can find him. Here we see an example of it. There was not a nation or kingdom, according to Obadiah, where Ahab sent to seek Elijah. And when that nation said, We haven't found him, he made them swear an oath, saying that they didn't. This man was serious and intent upon finding um, Elijah. He was intent, and, and you know, I, I don't believe it was for good. He wasn't seeking Elijah that he might repent of the wickedness of his hands. He was seeking Elijah to get vengeance. Maybe if we could kill this man, then perhaps this uh, drought, this famine would come to an end. But when God hides, no man can find. And we'll recall that verse that we looked at previously in Isaiah, seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near, because there's a time that God's going to hide and no man will be able to find him. Well, Ahab spared no expense and reached as far as he could reach in search of this man Elijah. And the truth is, he was right next door to where Ahab was, to Ahab's kingdom. And yet, Though Ahab searched diligently, he could not find him. So while God's dealing, that's the time to call. So in Luke 13, we see something very similar with the Lord Jesus. Verse 31, The same day there came certain of the Pharisees, saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. So they're trying to run the Lord Jesus out. 
And they say, Herod's intent on killing you, on destroying you. Well, here's the Lord Jesus' answer. Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. So the Lord says, God's in control. I don't care what Herod says. He's not going to overcome the power of God. Well, that's the way Ahab is as well. He's intent upon finding and killing Elijah, but Ahab cannot do what the Lord will not allow him to do. When God hides Elijah, Ahab is not going to find him. When God hides himself from us, we are not going to find him. We must seek the Lord in a time accepted. Seek the Lord while he's calling. So Obadiah was afraid of Ahab and what might happen because Ahab had went to such great extent to find Elijah and to capture him, to bring him back and to kill him. He said, if I go tell Ahab and the Lord carry you away again, Ahab will kill me. And notice how he, he gives his testimony. He says, don't put me in a place like this because I've done good. I helped and hid the prophets of God when Jezebel was slaying them. Now, when we looked earlier, uh, when it spoke of this, and, and even in chapter 17 we referenced this, they weren't just locking up. They weren't just persecuting. They were killing every prophet and every man of God that they could find to get them out of the coast, destroying the only hope that they have. That's exactly what's going on even in churches today. Anybody that will stand up for the Word of God, we don't have place nor desire for them to be in our company. Well, there is where they are here trying to run the Word of God out so that we can serve whatever God we want to serve, we can live however we want to live, and we can tell people that they're going to heaven and everything's alright. Well, friends, that's not the way it works. And though they kill and run out all that they can get a hold of, they couldn't find Elijah. They couldn't completely destroy the Word of God. And man today's not going to either. They may have great success in running and out of town, out of the church, out of the country, but they will not get rid of the Word of God and they will still be accountable to what the Word of God says. Friends, it's not true that you can live any manner of life and get to heaven. The Holy Ghost of God will regenerate and make a new creature out of those that are going to heaven, and they will not be free to sin like they once were. They'll instead be in bondage to the Lord Jesus Christ. God's in the business of saving souls and lives together. And I'm thankful He is. What a mess that we would be in if He did not make us new creatures. So uh, Obadiah says... He's, the Lord's going to carry you away, and I'm going to be killed. So he recounts his testimony. And he says, look, he's killed prophets. They've already killed prophets. 
and they've desired to kill you as well. Now if I go telling and you're, you can't be found, then I'm going to be killed just like everybody else. The Lord Jesus himself said, as he was uh, on his way to the cross, and they were weeping for him, he says in, this is Luke 23, verse 31, For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? So if the Lord Jesus is the green tree, and they're going to mock him, they're going to beat him, and they're going to crucify him, then what's going to be done to us, the dry trees? I mean, we may be saved, we may have the Holy Ghost dwelling with us, but we're not the Lord Jesus. And if they persecuted the Lord as they did, will they not persecute the church for the gospel's sake as well? They certainly will. So, um, Elijah says, after uh, Obadiah tells him all of this, and Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts liveth, before whom I stand, I will surely shew myself unto him today. So he gives him assurance. Obadiah, the Lord's not going to carry me away. I've got the word of the Lord to deliver to Ahab, and I must see him, and I must see him today. Now you think, maybe... Maybe you might think this is a stretch, but I believe you could see it. Here's Ahab who sought diligently for Elijah and could not find him. Now when is Ahab going to finally get to meet Elijah? It's not on Ahab's terms. Ahab's terms would have been long ago he would have captured him if he could have. But now here's a meeting that Ahab didn't arrange. This is a meeting that Elijah is arranging. They're going to meet together on God's terms and by the word of Elijah. In John 6, 44, some of these scriptures we may have referenced previously. John chapter 6, verse number 44. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. You know how people are going to come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Not on their terms. They'll come as God draws and as God calls. Now tell me how in the world it's up to man to choose whether or not he's going to be saved when it's on God's terms that we come to the Lord Jesus. No, it's, it's God that's doing the work. We see that again in Titus. Titus chapter 3. Really we see what we were when the Lord appeared, the Bible says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. So here's the condition that we all were in when we were lost and under the power of the devil. Bible says we were dead in trespasses and sins. We were serving the power of the prince of the power of the air. We were following the devil and the spirit of disobedience. We were against God. And our desire was not to meet with the Lord. Not at all. And yet, but, ain't you glad that there's a but there? So he's going to say we were here. 
This is the way we were living. We were foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving our diverse, our many lusts. We were doing as we pleased, doing as we wanted, just as the Apostle Paul was on the road to Damascus. He was doing as he pleased and doing as he wanted. But, after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, so how did we meet with God? It was on God's terms. God appeared. God appeared on His terms. He appeared according to His will. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So it, it's not because Obadiah was some great man, but the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. It wasn't because we changed and decided, well, we're going to really seek after God, but God appeared to us when we were in this sinful condition. The love and the kindness and the mercy of God appeared unto us and saved us out of that state, not by works of righteousness, but by the washing and renewing of the Holy Ghost of God. God did a work. God changed the life from that day forward. And it was on God's terms. In Matthew 7, we read that many shall say in that day, Lord, Lord. And I know that's familiar scripture that we've all heard many times, but you know what that is? That's on man's terms. When man's ready, <clears throat> when's man going to be ready himself? when it's too late, in the judgment. Many shall say, Lord, Lord, have we not? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So God does not accept man on man's terms, or when man's ready, or when man desires, but we can come to God when God is present and when God is calling, when God's doing the drawing. Ahab could not meet with Elijah when he was seeking after him with his army and going to these other nations and searching for him diligently. He couldn't have a meeting with Elijah. But now, Elijah's calling for Ahab and Ahab can come and hear the word of God on God's terms. And that's exactly the way we are God help us to realize that we come to God on God's terms and God's terms alone. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. And Ahab went to meet Elijah. So Ahab's going to go see this man that he hates so much, that he sought so long for, and perhaps thought that he was dead. But Elijah's not dead. He's been provided for and hidden by God, and here they're going to meet after three and a half years of no rain. So verse 17, we're back in 1 Kings 18, verse number 17. And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Now listen to the reply that Ahab says, you're the one that's caused all of this trouble. You're the one that's brought all of this suffering and all of this pain 
blaming it on the Word of God. And this isn't the only time, but on down in the future, chapter 21, verse number 20, And Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? My gosh, what a terrible place to be in that a man considers the Word of God to be his enemy. Now, how does the Word of God become my enemy? How can it be that a man would look at the Word of God, which is the message of salvation to a lost and dying world, look at the Word of God as their enemy? It's because they do not agree with what the Bible says. Man has rebelled against God, and as a result, God has become their enemy. What choice does God have? If God's going to be just, and if sin must be paid for, then God can't move, nor change His mind, nor change His law. God's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. But man's rebellious, man's stiff-necked and hard-hearted, man has no desire to hear the Word of God, and so Elijah is considered to be the cause and the trouble and the problem in Israel. Now, in our world today, I believe you could see that to be the case. The devil, sin, ungodliness is in control over the majority of mankind, and the Word of God is looked at to be the enemy and it's because the Word of God sits opposite and opposed to the lifestyle that man would like to live. Man wants to live as he sees fit and not be convicted or condemned by it. But the Word of God brings condemnation because I don't line up with the Word of God. I'm made aware that I'm not uh, living according to the Word and that brings condemnation and judgment upon me. Therefore, I consider the Word of God the enemy to me. When the truth is, the Word of God is the enemy of sin. The Word of God is the enemy of the devil. The Word of God is the enemy of people perishing and going to hell. The Word of God labors against and opposed to that. Yet man, whose heart is set on sin, as he says in Noah's day, their heart and every imagination was continually evil. Man that's set and has his heart and his affections and desires set upon sin has no desire to hear the word of God. Ahab says, Elijah, you're the one that's caused all this trouble. And Ahab's not the only man to ever think that. And Elijah's not the only man to be accused of that. It's happened all through the Bible. In Jeremiah chapter 26, we'll look at this scripture again in the future. In Jeremiah 26 verse 8, Now it came to pass when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak unto all the people. So let's get context. God is angry with the sin of Israel. God is going to bring destruction upon the nation 
because of their sin, their ungodliness, and their rebellion. God's desire would be that the people would realize they're wrong, repent, be changed, and God not have to bring destruction. So Jeremiah is there sounding out the warning of the word of God, telling the people that judgment, destruction, death, and the hand of God is coming against them. If they do not repent and come in obedience, they're going to be destroyed. So Jeremiah is a word of warning and a word truly of salvation if they would hear. And Jeremiah, he finished speaking all that God commanded him, that the priests and the prophets and all the people took him, saying, Thou shalt surely die. Why hast thou prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate without an inhabitant? And all the people were gathered against Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. So Jeremiah, he's only spoke what God's gave him. He spoke the word of God. And the priests, the prophets, the people, they're opposed to what Jeremiah says. Now he says that this place shall be like Shiloh. A little context on Shiloh. That's where the tabernacle of the Lord was set up in Eli's day. And you remember what happened. Eli and his sons, his sons were wicked, ungodly, making a mockery of the service of God. And God killed the two sons of Eli in battle. He had the enemy to take the ark of God. The Philistines captured the ark of God and carried it to their home country. And when Eli heard about it, he flipped over in his chair and broke his neck so that God brought an end to any service to him in Shiloh. Shiloh was wiped out. The priesthood and Eli's house was wiped out and there was great judgment and sadness in Israel because of the hand of God. Jeremiah's warning, if you don't repent, God's going to do that to Jerusalem. God's going to bring judgment upon Jerusalem just like he did to Shiloh. They did not believe it. They would not hear. They would not obey. And they said, Jeremiah, you're the problem. We're not the problem. Our lifestyle's not the problem. God's not the problem. You're a liar. You're prophesying lies, and we're going to kill you. But now, was what Jeremiah said true? We've, we've got history we can look back on, and we can see that in just a short time, Babylon's going to come up. They're going to destroy Israel. They're going to destroy Jerusalem, carry them back captive into Babylon, carry all the goods in the house of God back with them. They're going to lay waste to the city. In Jeremiah 38, 4, Jeremiah 38, verse number 4, we see very much the same thing. Therefore the princess said unto the king, We beseech thee, let this man be put to death. For thus he weakeneth the hands of the men of war that remain in the city, and the hands of all the people, in speaking such word unto them. For this man seeketh not the welfare of this people, but the hurt. So what was he saying? He said, If you continue in this rebellion... And they were in the city. They had locked up the gates. They were at war with Babylon. 
And all the prophets of the devil were saying, keep it up, you're going to win. Jeremiah speaking by the voice of God. Jeremiah says, if you continue this, everybody in the city is going to be destroyed. You're going to be killed. And the kingdom's going to fall. But if you'll go out and bow down, and if you'll humble yourself, and if you'll serve the king of Babylon, you can live. And they say, look, he's encouraging the people. He's encouraging them to surrender, and we don't need speech like that. He's not seeking the welfare of the people. Now that's exactly what people look at men of God that'll stand on the truth and preach the gospel. They say, you've not got our best intentions in mind. You've hurt our feelings. You've hurt our, uh, you've hurt our pride. You're bringing us down. Well, Jeremiah was speaking the word of God. He was warning them. And truly, he was giving them a means to escape and to live. They didn't heed. They didn't hear. And Zedekiah's sons and daughters and wives were killed before his face. His eyes were put out. He was carried down captive to Babylon. You know why that was? He did not heed the word of God. God sent warning. In Amos chapter 7, we see very much the same thing. Amos chapter 7, over and over again, God sending warning, God sending a message to repent, to turn to the gospel, to be different. And this is what they said of Amos. Amos chapter 7 verse 10, Then Amaziah the priest of Bethel sent to Jeroboam king of Israel, saying, Amos hath conspired against thee in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For Amos saith, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive out of their own land. So he is running down the man of God to the king. What Amos said was true, and it was proven to be true. They fail. They fail greatly. And Jeroboam was killed. Disobedience. But again, the problem is the Word of God. The problem's not my sin. It's not me. It's the Word of God. The Word of God is always the problem. In Mark chapter 6, we read about John the Baptist. John the Baptist told uh, Herod and Herodias, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Now, John was the problem. And she desired to have him killed. And eventually, she did. And to the Galatians, now the Galatians were a people that began hearing the gospel preached by Paul, the gospel of salvation, by grace alone, by faith alone, and now they've turned back to some works-based, you can do it, you can maintain it, you have to earn it, salvation. Paul's trying to convince them of the truth. This is what he says, verse 16 of chapter 4, the book of Galatians. Am I therefore become your enemy, because I tell you the truth? Paul was a man that they highly regarded, that they loved when he was there preaching to them. But they've been turned to a strange doctrine. And now this man that they once loved, that they once hailed as a mighty man of God, as a, uh, an apostle of Jesus Christ, now he's considered their enemy. 
You know why that is? They're contrary to the doctrine that Paul was preaching. Therefore, they take it out on the man that delivers the message. The man is the one they hate. When in truth, the problem is with the Word of God. But Paul says we've been made the off-scouring of the earth. We shouldn't expect any different. If they've done that in a green tree, what's going to be done in the dry? They're going to despise us as well. If you stand on the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to be counted as the enemy of a multitude of people. They won't want you in their church. They won't want you in their pulpit. They, they will not want you at their family's funeral. They will not want you uh, to speak the word of God. And if you're going to be there, we're not going to come. You're our enemy. What you speak is against what I believe. See the problem. The problem's not with the man of God. The problem is with us not lining up with the word of God. In verse 18, And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. So God says, It's not me that's the problem. And if you remember back in Genesis, there was, uh, uh, as Adam and Eve fell in the garden, Adam says, well, you, you gave me this woman, and she's made me to eat. God, you, you did this. You gave her to me. It's God's fault. Well, I want you to know, when you turn against what the Word of God says, and you count that as your enemy, then you are making God to be your enemy. Elijah says, I'm not the one that's brought the trouble. It's not me, but thou and thy father's house that's forsaken and turned from the commandments of God. You've turned your back on the word of God and therefore this great judgment has come upon the land. If the word of God is your enemy today, and you know, I don't want to make anything of the men of God. God called men that preach the gospel. They are what they are by the grace of God. But if people count the men of God as their enemy, then know this, it's not the man that's the problem. It's the word of God that they stand on and that they proclaim that's the problem. I've seen it over and over and over again with me as well as other men men that are despised for the doctrine and the word of God that they preach and that they stand on. And friends, it should be no surprise that there's a famine of the word of God today because man has run it out of the country. We do not want to hear that doctrine. We want to hear all you have to do is believe. We want to hear that everybody's going to heaven. We want to hear that everything's hunky-dory. We want to hear that we can live how we want to. And anybody that preaches or teaches anything other than that, we're going to count them as our enemy. Well, friends, that way, know this. You have God as your enemy. If you count God as an enemy, then God will be our enemy. God will bring judgment and destruction, just like he did to Ahab just like he did to Israel. 
when we disobey and turn from His commandments. We'll, we'll pick back up right there at that verse next time. Got a few references to look at. The problem is that you're going after sin. You've turned your back on the Word of God. We love you. Hope the Word of God's a help to you. Hope all of you are blessed in the Lord. And I hope you've enjoyed this study of Elijah and Elisha so far. We've not got to Elisha yet, but we will eventually. I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. It's been very good for me. Uh, thankful for how the Lord's able to reveal His Scriptures to, to an ignorant and an unlearned somebody. And I hope that He can use us to help you to see that. We're certainly, we're absolutely nothing. We are nothing. Ignorant, unlearned, and any credit of any good goes to the Lord and the work that He done for us. So we're certainly thankful to Him for blessing us and gracing us with the opportunity, with a desire. And I hope the Lord will bless you. We ask you to pray for us. We love you.